Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm here with my phantasmagoric co-host, Maria Velasquez, and we are so excited to have a very special guest today. We have Jake Milstein. He is Chief Revenue Officer and Chief Marketing Officer, which I think makes him the CRMO. Ooh, I like that. At Critical Insight. Yeah, I'm not bored. I am not bored here at Critical Insight. <laughs> Thanks for being on today, Jake. Uh, we're really excited to have you on because you have a different perspective than many of our guests because you also hold that CRO title. What what sort of um, responsibilities do you have or, or what makes the job different now that you are a CRO as opposed to when you were just a CMO? That, you know, when a lead goes to sales and nothing good happens with it, it's still my fault. I mean, I think the truth is that all marketers like to say, I'm a full funnel marketer, right? And the truth is that sometimes, sometimes folks say, hey, I just handed this bucket of leads over to sales, and then sales is supposed to do something with it. Just just go, just close the deal, right? And, you know, if it turns out that if you say that enough, then they'll just give you responsibility for the whole funnel. And so now the nice thing is I do get to see what happens. Like, you know, you go to a conference or you hold a webinar and a lead comes in from that. I do get to see what happens at every step of the deal. And then once they become a customer, what the life cycle is. So I oversee all of marketing, sales, and customer success. So I get to see what works and what kinds of customers stay, what kind of customers don't, and what really makes the perfect like ICP customer for us is really a cool thing. And like I said before, I have nobody to blame but myself uh, when something goes wrong somebody in the, somewhere in the funnel. But there's a big lesson there is that every marketer should be a CRO at some point in their week, right? You know, pick a day and be a CRO for the day and, and dig into the data. That's actually really cool. Yeah. I mean, you look, the best marketers who I know, the best CMOs I know, you know, get involved in customer conversations. I mean, how can you know what, you know, what your product market fit is if you're not talking to customers? And the truth is most CMOs do talk to customers. They are involved in research. And so they are doing a lot of the things that essentially salespeople are doing, right? A salesperson who's following the BANT framework or any of or the SPICED framework or any of the other frameworks is asking all the same questions questions that you would ask in a research interview. And so that connection with customers is something that that marketers need to do anyway. Makes sense. So tell us before we get into the topic of underserved markets and rural markets, which is what we're going to talk about today. Tell us a little bit about your background, Jake. So you're a CRO and a CMO. How did you get here? Oh, neither from sales or or really deeply marketing. So <laughs> So I'm a journalist. Uh, I spent uh, I spent 25 years in TV stations and running TV stations. I've worked in California. I've worked in D.C. and in Washington State. And my last job was that I was the news director and head of digital for Cairo, which is the CBS station in Seattle, K-I-R-O. 
and ran it for 10 years. And what that meant was I hired the reporters, I hired the anchors, I hired the producers, I did everything to make the TV newsroom go. We developed the first Roku app for any local news station in America, the first Amazon Alexa app. And, you know, think about if news is your product, you know, product delivery is one of the things that we really pioneered at that TV station. So if you've ever streamed a newscast, if you've ever watched a VOD newscast, we were the first ones in the in the in the country to do that. And so yeah, so I mean, you know, my background is journalism and that matters a lot to what I'm doing today. You know, I think one of the great things about being a journalist is you go home every day feeling like you did something good for the world. You brought people the best available truth that day so that they could better live their lives so that they could be armed with the knowledge that they need and the same is true in cybersecurity right we're all in this because we're doing something good for the world journalism and cybersecurity are very similar you're bringing people the facts so they can make the right decisions whether it's you know you're working on something that's alerting people or you know you're delivering penetration tests so you can give them the knowledge they need to to defend their networks and all of us, you know, who are in cybersecurity should go home every day feeling like we made a made a difference in the world, even though we're all working from home now and we're just at home feeling that way. You know what I mean by going home. I agree with that. I think I've told Gianna before that we should order capes for all the cybersecurity <laughs> marketers out there and we should totally <laughs> walk around with capes because we are heroes at the end of the day. <laughs> capes for everybody. <laughs> yeah, that, that. Yeah, we'll change the name from Black Hat to Black Cape. It'll be fine. You get a cape. You get a cape. That's a meme, right? Oh, Uh, look at that. See, we're getting somewhere. (laughs) But I really think it's true. Like, I think everybody who works in who works in security, who's doing it for the right reason, you know, I mean, it's it's really it's just like journalism. You gather the facts, you develop something, you you deliver the end customer what they need, and you know, in news, it's the public. In cybersecurity, you know, it's a business, it's a it's a state, it's a city, it's a hospital. And making sure they know what the solutions are, that's what marketers do best. Hi there, my name is Sean Madsen, and I head up digital strategy at Checkpoint Software. We use Hushly as our primary demand platform. We use it to remove gates, we use it for our landing pages, and we use it for our resource hub. And it has improved our conversion rate by 5x. And Jake, you know, this rings extra true for you and for Critical Insight, because I know your company focuses a lot on the underserved markets, the smaller guys, the little markets. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, I can. And the best way to tell that story is so our, the two founders of the company, a guy named Fred Langston, a guy named Mike Hamilton. So both of them have spent their careers working in, in underserved cyber communities. And so for Fred, he was on the committee that co-wrote the HIPAA security rule. And so he's worked in healthcare. And, you know, healthcare is just a place where, you know, if you're a hospital and you have an extra million dollars, you're going to spend it on a heart surgeon. You're not going to spend it on on a piece of technology because, you know, you'd rather have the heart surgeon who can go save a life today, right? And so their budgets are less and they have all of this legacy infrastructure. And then Mike was the CISO of the city of Seattle. And you know, back when he was CISO of the city of Seattle, he didn't have a big budget. Now, of course, cities have bigger cybersecurity budgets. 
But, you know, cities and counties and water districts are chronically underfunded as it relates to IT, IT infrastructure, and cybersecurity. And so Critical Insight is mission-focused on helping those critical infrastructure organizations attain a better cyber posture. So we help them um, prepare for an attack, detect one quickly, and respond decisively by extending their team. So we provide consulting services to help them prepare for an attack. We provide SOC services or an MDR provider to help them detect one quickly, and then the SOC can respond decisively when an attack happens, which is just simply not something an organization that has one IT person you know they can't they can't do that on their own at 1 a.m. on a saturday there's not anybody around and and so that's who we help that's who we defend so obviously the the icp the person the person that you're selling to the organization or company and account that you're selling to is different how are you going about being different in your marketing cuz a lot of us at security companies you know not all of us right but a lot of us are going after Large banks, right? Mm-hmm. Large financial services companies, big accounts, enterprise, and this is not enterprise. So, and and it's in. I'd say it's even potentially different than SMB. So, what are you doing to to change your marketing strategy and the way you approach these companies so that you could market critical insights differently? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the main things is when you're talking about, uh, and let's just talk about healthcare here. So when you think about a rural hospital, you think about a hospital that is in Soda Springs, Idaho. A hospital that's in Soda Springs, Idaho, they don't want a you know this major national cyber provider that they found through Gartner. Like no, like when you think about rural America, like they want they want somebody who is truly their partner. They want somebody who's going to show up. They want somebody whose name they know. They want somebody who they can call on a Sunday. Then it's not this, you know, nameless, faceless organization. They want to be able to call Jake or Fred or Ellie, right? They want to be able to call somebody they know. And so part of our marketing is actually showing up in these rural locations. And we want to add somebody in Idaho say, we love you because you're here. Um, And so a lot of our marketing is actually showing up. So actually, just before this podcast, I was on a call with a state that doesn't have a lot. It's not a state where you think, oh, that has a metropolitan area. And, you know, one of the things they said is, oh, I asked them, you know, when's your next conference? And, oh, it's in a month. We'll be there. Right. We're going to go to a city that has about uh, 80,000 people. And that's the biggest city in the state. And, you know, we'll be there for those folks and we're going to show up and talk to them. And so in some ways, the marketing we do is all about being there, is all about showing up. And then the problem is you can't keep showing up, right? (laughs) Like there's only so much time in the calendar and there's only, you know, so many flights you can take. And so um, what we do is we follow up the visit with webinars. So we are constantly doing webinars, but inviting the people who we met. So once we have a personal connection, and I really do mean a personal connection, then we're inviting them to our webinars. And we start all of our webinars with, hey, tell me where you're joining from. And what we see is all these people from places we've gone who are like, hey, Jake, or hey, Fred, or hey, Mike, or hey, Ellie. And they know us. So that has become the thing that works best in our in our marketing. So you answered a little bit of my next question. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't have read ahead. 
<laughs> no, no, that's okay. About the 10x growth at Critical Insight, right? So the, did a little bit of reading on your LinkedIn and was really curious about how you did that specifically. I imagine this, what you just said is kind mm-hmm. of like the tactic, right? The multi-touch mm-hmm. tactic. But on a bigger scale, how did you get to the 10x growth and 5x revenue growth? Yeah, I mean, I think that part of it is, I don't think it will surprise anybody who is watching this podcast to know that, you know, the managed detection response market is a crowded market. There are a lot of players. There are really big players with <laughs> unbelievably deep pockets who have said, hey, we're going to win that market. And and that makes it a really hard, difficult market. And I think the CMO of Zapier posted something recently that I thought was just great, which is, you know, tell me about the marketing where you're winning in street fights and hand-to-hand combat, not the one where the product was so good it sold itself. And that right there explains the answer to this, right? It is that it's it's going places and building those personal relationships. And you can, and that's the thing, that's the hand-to-hand combat, right? I can win one deal, I can win two deals doing that. But then, of course, like the investors want to know, how does that scale? <laughs> like Jake or somebody else getting on a plane doesn't necessarily scale. And that's where the webinars come in. And so what we've done is created this feeling of authenticity. It's not just a feeling. I mean, we're really authentic people. But it's this authenticity where you show up and then you do a series of webinars where you are those same people. You are as honest as you were showing up. You are as straightforward and you are those same people. And so, you know, you start with that personal touch and then build it. And so one of the ways that we've done that is through hospital associations. So we became the preferred, one of the preferred cybersecurity providers for the American Hospital Association, which has gotten us into the American Hospital Association Rural Conference and other AHA events. From that, we've become the official cybersecurity provider for a bunch of the state associations. And so that's how it scales, right? You, we, we, I travel around with John Rigi, who's the head cyber speaker he has a great title, and I can't remember it right now, for the American Hospital Association. He's great, and I travel around with him. And instead of speaking to one hospital at a time, we'll speak to 13 or 15 hospitals at a time. And then we do webinars with him, and that's how you scale that. But it really starts with that personal touch because you know, if it's just us and think of a really large MDR provider or EDR provider, if it's just us against them in a street fight, like that's a hard one to win. And so you have to have something else. And it's that personal touch, that authenticity. Makes sense. There is so much value in being the easiest group to work with. There is so much value. It's, you know, and I'm equating that to personal touch, right? Pick up the phone at 1 a.m., know the people that you're working with. It's a competitive way to beat out competitors that people don't utilize enough. Yeah. And and I think it also makes you memorable. You know, look, every marketer is always in the middle of redoing their website. Like nobody ever launches a website and is like, I'm 100% happy with that. <laughs> like that's not a thing that happens. We know this. And, you know, so look, we're in the middle of redoing our website and, you know, making it more memorable. 
But I think when you show up, you're memorable for showing. Well, I mean, if you're good, you know, you show up, you know, you're memorable for that. And then your digital presence has to be has to be memorable as well. And that's a that's a that's a place where we're working right now. What are some other ways that you're becoming more memorable in your digital presence? Like maybe give us a, a few little uh, sneak peeks of the of the website from your mind's eye that you think is really cool, or maybe about your webinars. Is there anything else you do? Yeah. I will. You know, so when we think about authenticity, one of the things that people want, so I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to flip this around and I'm going to say, hey, let's pretend you're the IT director, you're in charge of security, you're in charge of a whole bunch of things for a rural hospital. You got 25 beds and you're in a rural part of America. For those of you who don't know, hospital, when you think of how big a hospital is, hospitals talk about themselves in terms of number of beds. And so a hospital in a city will be a 300-bed hospital. Rural hospitals, many of them are critical access. They have 15 beds, and that's how they talk about themselves in terms of size. So you think about this 15-bed rural hospital, the, and this is a real one. The IT director is also the hospital's electrician. He is, he's also in charge of janitorial services and he's the help desk printer breaks and he's the one who fixes it. And he's in charge of their entire security posture. And I know him and I won't say his name, but I know him. He's a good dude. And so when there is some major event some major cyber event, think like Log4j or the MoveIt vulnerability or the exchange compromise. That guy doesn't know. Like he's not, he, you know, he he might be reading the headlines once a week, twice a week. He may not even know that an MSP is using move it in his environment or he does know that you know he has exchange and this there's the this is big exchange compromise but like you know he doesn't necessarily know what to do about it nor does he have time because there's an electrical problem that he needs to fix right now mm-hmm. uh, and this is a real thing like this is this is you know getting your mind getting your head into what your what your customers what your prospects are going through is super important and so one of the things we've done is we've come up with urgent panel discussions so anytime there is a major national international thing that happens within 48 hours we do a webinar and the webinar is, it starts with facts about what it is. It's three or four slides of what we know. And then we have a panel of experts talk about the issue for an hour. And I moderate the panels. Uh, and I'm pretty good at asking them questions and understanding the persona in our ICP is not a deep security expert. So when they go real deep, bringing them back. But, you know, what's this thing that happened? You know, how do you figure out if your environment is impacted? If your environment is impacted, what should you do about it? And these go for about an hour. Now, the other thing, and I, and again, I'm going to go back to the word that I used before about authenticity is, you know, when we think about these panels, we are brutally honest. Like if we need to say that a vendor really messed this up, we'll say that a vendor really messed that up. If we say that federal policy is like four years behind where it needs to be, you know, we'll say federal policy is about four years behind where it needs to be. We don't pull punches about Russian actors or actors in China or the Chinese government or the Russian government. And we say it like it is. And so one of the pieces of feedback we hear from folks all the time is I love these urgent panel webinars. You told me what I needed to know and you said it in like regular person speak. 
And so that is that has become our number one marketing tool. When we do those urgent panel webinars, when they happen, we end up getting a lot of opportunities out of those. We end up getting a letter and we end up having really sticky customers. We've had customers say, you know, I stick with you because I trust you. Why do you trust us? Well, I trust you because, you know, when Log4j happened, I watched your webinar and I understood what I needed to know from watching you. I think those urgent panel those urgent panel discussions have really become a really deep part of our brand. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's a like really classy way of joining the conversation when things like this happen without feeling like you're just ambulance chasing. You're really just bringing value. You're here to answer any questions. And that's wonderful. Yeah. And, and one thing I'll say there is like, it's funny when we get towards the end of those webinars, <laughs> you know, there's that part where you sell your product. <laughs> <laughs> and I get to those and like, I'll say, hey, I run market and this is where I get to use the CRO title, right? I'll say, hey, uh, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning, I run marketing, but also I'm the CRO. And so, you know, if this information was in, I said, look, I don't want this to be a webinar with a lot of sales. The point here is not to sell you things, it's to teach and it's that a rising tide raises all boats and, you know, we should all be better and we should all have better security postures. And if you happen to need help with that, let me know because we can help. And I think it's, you know, that makes it feel less ambulance chasey. And one of the things I do is, you know, we'll have like five or 600 people in one of these webinars and I'll look at the numbers on the upper right. And I'm always curious, like when I go to that, like you should buy something from us. I'm always curious, does the number tick down? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I have not seen it tick down. I, I think when you do it right and you've just given people 45 minutes of value, it doesn't tick down. And I've seen it in other people's webinars where, you know, you where everybody can see the number of people there. And then you can see like yeah. the worst thing that happens in webinars is they transition to the salesperson. This has been a nice conversation. Now here's Steve, right? And then, and then Steve comes <laughs> to sell you something and the numbers just plummet, right? They go from like 100 people to like 25. And so I think it's, again, it's, it's about being honest with people what you're doing. If you tell them, hey, I'm about to try to sell you something after giving you 40 minutes of value, people are like, oh, okay, I get that. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, so David, tell us, what is Content Workshop and how is it different than other agencies? Well, Content Workshop is a storytelling agency and we take storytelling seriously. We help brands tell their story effectively with specific marketing and business goals as the root. And we're not here telling stories for story's sake, although that sounds like fun and maybe we should do that as well. We're here to tell stories to meet business goals. We work with small and overworked marketing teams in the cyber industry use storytelling to reach business goals. That's it. That's what we do. As far as how we're different from other agencies, that's for everybody else to decide. I think we are great, but we hire people with master's degrees in storytelling. We spend a lot of time on the strategy of content and we look at outcomes. Learn more about Content Workshop storytelling services for cybersecurity companies at contentworkshop.com. Gianna had two parts to her question and was asking about mm -hmm. the website and what you're doing right now. But I have a follow-up question to that in terms of making it more engaging, right? I think that's one of the main reasons why we 
redesign is to make it more engaging to add value, keep people on your website, and then hopefully convert. Sure. Mm -hmm. But I heard you're very charismatic and you bring humor into a lot of things. So please tell us you're going to bring humor into this new homepage. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's the plan, right? I think, gosh, humor is such a hard thing to convey in cybersecurity. You know, people are um, skeptical. People have a good sense of humor about their jobs. And everybody has a different sense of humor. And I'm wearing a button-up shirt today, both for the podcast and because I had a healthcare meeting. And you go to a healthcare meeting, and I don't care if it's 102 degrees outside, everyone's in a, in a you know, everybody's dressed up. Men are in ties, women, you know, dresses, like, it, like people are dressed up. And so I have to admit, I worry a little bit about injecting too much humor into a cybersecurity website. And I've struggled with that. But yes, when 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 we have the new site and we have the new landing pages, it'll it'll have it'll have a sense of humor. And one of the reasons I do so many videos and why we as an organization do so many videos is because of that. Mike, who I talked about, who's one of the founders, is a punk drummer. And so yeah, like I've posted videos of his drumming and I make fun of him for being a drummer uh, all the time. I mean, if you've ever watched Spinal Tap, you know that drummers just explode at some point. And you know, we joke about turning it up to 11. But yeah, I, I, but I but I've struggled with that. I've struggled with bringing humor to cybersecurity in the right way. It's tough. You, like you said, you don't know what's going to hit with people. Cuz I laugh at things that everyone else like you know, rolls their eyes at and vice versa. So yeah, you're weird. No, I mean, right. It's, <laughs> I, I know it's hard. <laughs> Maria knows. Cause she, she's heard me pitch desk fence like 70 times. And I think it's hilarious every time. And she is <laughs> sick of it. I'm sure. <laughs> desk fence, it's a fence for desks. <laughs> we're, we're staying in cybersecurity. <laughs> But I mean, you know, I don't know whether, you know, this podcast is the right place to say, you know, I struggle with this. And, you know, I think others probably struggle with this. But saying I have a brand voice and this is my brand voice and my brand voice involves humor and then executing that, like there's a big canyon between I want my brand voice to have humor and executing it in the right way. That's so true. It's like I want my brand voice to have humor am I even funny? Like, do we have funny people? How, how, what level of funny is too funny? And yeah, I mean, I think it's a thing a lot of people struggle with. And what is funny, right? Is it dad jokes? Is it, you know, like deep esoteric infosec humor? Is it like joking about like programming on a Commodore 64? Like what, like what's the right humor? I don't, you know, that's, it's, 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 and also, you know, in writing, you sort of lose the inflection. Uh, You know, people who write humor, you know, it is a different talent than people who can stand up on stage. Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how many people have read Jerry Seinfeld's book, but reading Jerry Seinfeld's book it's interesting, but it's not nearly as funny as watching him on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so, Maria, tell us, what is funny? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I always make the joke that 
being a, a marketer in cybersecurity is like being a stand-up comedian with zero audience or a very, very tough audience that hates all of your jokes, right? <laughs> uh, most of our audience in our ICP hates our emails. They don't click on ads. They, you know, it's, it's tough. Um, but I guess that's my cybersecurity joke. Otherwise, I think, I don't know, anything Star Wars, Yoda memes, those always really land well. I don't know. It's tough. Well, and, right. And I'm a <laughs> critic, right? I mean, look, I guarantee you, if you want to have more emails in your inbox, change your LinkedIn profile to chief revenue officer. All of a sudden, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, sales software, sales help, sales whatever companies where their SDRs will send you notes. And they think that salespeople want humor. And so, I mean, the number of emails I get from, you know, well-meaning SDRs and BDRs, some that, you know, are actually funny and some that are like trying to be like guy-to-guy humor, it's awful. Like there's really awful (laughs) stuff that ends up in my inbox. Do you ever reply with like, hey, man, that was really awful. Here's here's some advice on how you can do this better. (laughs) You take a class at OCB or UCB, right? <laughs> <laughs> you should go to Second City. Now, uh, you know, I think uh, <laughs> actually I do. Gianna and I are both in a uh, a large CMO Slack community together. I did not get kicked out, luckily, when I got the CRO title, and so me So we're both still sneaking in there, and I have actually when when. If I if I've gotten like there's one that I got that was a really like inappropriate like hey you're it was a sort of how how should I say this very bro type of email Ooh, yeah and the CMO is somebody who's in the group and I did send them a note and was like did you know your SDR <laughs> is trying to relate oh, to like male CROs in this way and so yeah I mean uh, that that is something that happens but it also is an indicator of just how hard humor is right like they were trying to be funny and it really was not funny (laughs) (laughs) so i mean you know you can't use a 1955 joke in 2023 does not work absolutely not very bad Absolutely not. So yeah, I mean, but that you know, humor is in the eye of the beholder, right? And that, I think that's that's one of the answers to to how hard that is, and one of the reasons why I really like visiting people in person with those rural hospitals. And by the way, the thing about visiting rural hospitals and and all of that is you certainly cut across you know all of these sections of America where they're you know I I don't think I, I think I can say you know America's very divided and it's not just divided right and left it's not just divided red and blue it's divided in all sorts of which ways you know depending on you know to what beer you drink right and so I think there's you know being able to relate to people on a face-to-face basis and being able to see what works in a room is a is a really important thing and goes back to to that authenticity when you actually show up in you know whether it be Dalton Georgia or Soda Springs Idaho like it it matters that's really cool yeah I think a lot of us marketers aspire to do that one-on-one sort of attention and detail and relationship building but then again, going back to the scaling and volume and goals and expectations and revenue contribution that now marketing is definitely a part of and 
won't be able to get out of that situation. It's so hard. It really is. It is hard. And we're in this spot where, you know, a few years back, you know, money was just pouring in. And now, you know, there are a lot of companies that are fighting for every deal. And it's this counterintuitive thing of, oh, wait, I now have to make my CAC worse. <laughs> and I now have to spend more to win every deal when there are fewer deals to win. And it's a hard reality. But, you know, you really do. Every marketer at this point really does have to sell. And, you know, it's more fun when it's the other way. But this is the reality that we're living right now. Absolutely. Should we go to our game? Ooh, there's a game? I think it is time to play. Yes. Time to play? All right. Is it about desk fence? (laughs) Absolutely not. Oh, okay. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, it could be what you would have chosen to do if you didn't do what you're doing now. So the game, or you're shaking your head. So the game is, we are going to guess what you would be doing if you were not a CRO slash CMO slash journalist, reporter, person, media guy. Okay, what do you got? All right, so I'm going to let... So so Maria has one, I think, if Nicole does the tally, I think every single... Maybe I won one, like every single one this year. Okay. So Maria, why don't you go first? And we we tied last year, right? Or just about tied? Yeah, I got really bad at this, like out of the blue. So what happens if neither of you is right? Um, you have to pick the most right, and then you're going to tell us the tr- which one. Oh, okay, go. Which oh, one. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. You have to tell us the truth. Or tell us how bad we did. Doesn't matter. Terrific. I'm all ears. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> we we made the rules of this game, so we can always change them. That's the beauty of you know, <laughs> doing whatever the hell you want with your show. <laughs> That's pretty fantastic. All right. Well, you know, all right. So, C- so the first one is CEO of Desk Fence. What's the other one? Gosh. Well, you know what? It's... It's hard with you because you're doing both marketing and sales. So you've proven that you can be pretty versatile in your skill set and can learn fast. So you could literally, you know, we could throw at you a new job tomorrow and you're like, yeah, I got it. Give me a couple of weeks and we'll, we'll get this done. We'll grow fast because you move fast, right? I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to hide the imposter syndrome and make it work. Sure. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> um. But you know what? I don't know why I am getting this vibe, and I so far my vibe hasn't failed Ooh, me. What do you got? Um, you, I could see you being in politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what function of politics, local or federal or presidential, but like a judge. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's that's separate. A judicial system. Well, I mean, we isn't like it, it's isn't it one of them? I mean, there's you know, <laughs> there's three, mean, there, and it's one of them. <laughs> there, there, there are definitely you know some judicial positions where you have to where you're elected and sure. some where you're not. Uh, you know, yeah. we're, I think we'll avoid conversations about the Supreme Court, but sure. Yes, yes. Aside okay. from the Supreme Court, like just politics, I could see you, you know, doing something on Capitol Hill. You know, Maria wins because she chooses. You know what? This year she's taken a vague a strategy of vagueness where it's just like, I think you'd be in like, you know, a job with like a pen. <laughs> like, and you, you know, there's like a computer there. And everyone's like, you, yeah. You can it every two weeks. <laughs> All right. So my guess, Jake, so you, me, and Mary Yang, who's currently the CMO of Six Sense, which is a security company. We went on, we went, we met at Black Hat uh-huh. and we were, 
dancing it up on the dance floor oh. along with a bunch of other marketers. Uh-huh. I think you'd be a professional dancer, like a Ooh. like a like a um like a safer work dancer, like a no, actually I'm gonna be vague and expand it. You'd be a performing artist. Ooh. That's Ooh. what you'd be. A performing artist on a stage somewhere doing like a theater or tap dance or singing or telling Ooh, some Broadway. sort of monologue. I could see Broadway. Like I could, yeah, Broadway. I, I could see Broadway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So both of you have really good points here. Um, I, I, I think. Mm. But, <laughs> Compliment sandwich. I'm going to pick a winner. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I am okay. decisive, but I'm going to get there. So I will, I will say I have always wanted to do stand-up comedy. I have always Ooh. wanted to develop that skill. And I'm, uh, I think I'm, people tell me I'm funny. I don't actually think I'm funny enough to be a stand-up comic, but I've always wanted to like Second City, which I referenced earlier, they have like a class. Like you can go learn to be a stand-up comic. And man, I've always wanted to do that. Like, oh God, I've always wanted to do that. And, you know, Maria, the, the funny thing about the whole judge thing is everyone in my family and my wife are lawyers. Ooh. And uh, my father was even a law professor. And I grew up in D.C. and grew up around politics. And I have always wondered, like, should I have gone into politics? Should I have done more with politics? And my job when I was 18, I guess this gives away how old I am, I tested every computer in the U.S. Senate to see if it was Y2K compliant. It is really important to me to do something where I'm doing something good for the world. And yes, it is important mm -hmm. to make people laugh. And yes, stand-up comedy is hugely important. And yes, even the most controversial of comedians make a mark and influence a lot of people. And yet, after being in news for a long time, I have seen what a really good mayor or what a really good city council person or what a really good president can do for a body of people. And, uh, you know, if, if I had it in me, I would run for office. I, I would, I think, I think that that wins, even though, man, both of you did a great job and you made it hard to choose. When you started with a dancer, I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. <laughs> because I, and, and, and I appreciate the fact that you saw me dance and you still said that, like, uh, it's a little, yeah. little more awkward than you think I was. So, so, but I, uh, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. This is it, Jake. This is your calling. This is your calling to take that improv or stand up course that you've been wanting to do. And maybe you're calling into politics. It's and never all, too and, late. And all of these choices would embarrass my teenage daughter, which is really the most important thing I can do. <laughs> Especially the dancing. I cannot wait to tell her that somebody thought I should be a dancer. This is this is going to be the greatest father-daughter conversation I've ever had. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ray, well, you want to close it out? Yes, let's close it out. I mean, I, I kind of want to keep going. This conversation has been amazing. Thank you, Jake, for joining us on the show today. Definitely taking away some really good insights and advice for us aspiring CMOs eventually and what to look for for a thriving career. So thanks for joining us. Well, I really appreciate you having me. I mean, this is really cool. And, you know, for people who are coming up in the whole thing, 
I think making sure that you know what your personal mission is and you know what your drive is, you know, will help you develop into the person you want to be. Love that. And to our loyal listeners, thanks for joining us and listening today. Remember, a new episode drops every Wednesday. If you subscribe, you'll get an alert. And don't forget to give us five, six, seven, ten, however many stars, Spotify and Apple and all the podcast platforms will allow. And tell your colleagues about the show. And if you'd like to be on the show, Gianna, tell them how they can reach out to us. You can reach out to podcasts at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com. Really long email. We're going to include it in the show notes too. 